Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at GoFundMe.com slash F slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039S hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon and that's when i called him a dick splash (laughs) the worst insult there is (laughs) what do you think clark uh pete i think you called me a dick splash at one point and i don't really understand what that's supposed to mean like i wasn't that hurts your feelings didn't it like you little baby <laughs> dick splash you dummy uh actually I, I was too confused to be hurt honestly pete i was kind of just like wh- what kind of insult is that i've never heard that you before. know was a dick splashing on water uh you know sometimes if the, if the water's too high in the toilet when does that ever happen when you sit down and take a shit it could happen I don't know. So, in this scenario, Pete, are you calling me the dick or the toilet or the splash on? I don't understand the terminology here. Uh, well, um, it's just yeah, the dick that splashes, man. It's just funny. You know, like dickhead, dick boner. People say that word. Uh, dick, dick Van Dyke. Uh, you know. It's, it sounds to me that you just kind of made it up and thought it sounded cool yeah i did it's cool man i mean it's is it's like a cool insult your dick splash <laughs> yeah yeah uh just wanted to tell you i talked to jordan and he didn't understand why you called him dick splash either i don't really think this thing is having the effect that you wanted not like i want you to have that effect but still that dumb dick splash he doesn't know anything it's the coolest insult there is pete i, I don't think it's it's working for you. Whatever, man. So what would you do? What would be better than a dick splash? I wouldn't call people names. That's what I would do. You ever think about that, Pete? Not call people names. That's that's a dick splash move. I don't... No, that's stupid. That's an oink fart move. Fuck that. That's dumb. <coughs> Pete, I'm... Uh, that, uh, I haven't heard that either, but I think that's a little bit more... You had never heard of oink fart. 
<laughs> it's just a little more funny than than insulting at this no, it's, point. It's badass. You just don't know what you're talking about. I am connoisseur of insults. You, you're not really. You're just kind of just combining two unrelated words to one and hoping that people get insulted by it. That's what it is, dick. Head. That doesn't make any sense at first, but now people just like it. Well, it, it at least does make sense because that's like the tip of the dick. Like, nobody talks about anything splashing on it. People... I don't even know how I'm getting into this part of this conversation, but yes, like that, that does make more sense than oink fart. That just sounds like you're, it just, it just, I don't under, even understand. Are you saying it's a pig's fart? Are you saying that the sound of the oink is a fart itself? I'm saying the person's like kind of fat because that's terrible. People are fat are bad. And then why don't you just call them fat? And then they're a pig. Pigs are fat. They oink and they fart stinky. There you go. It makes total sense. I think it's a little too complicated for people to get as an Oh, so they're just not as smart as me, so they're just dumber than aardvark shit. (sighs) Okay, Pete, I I get that this is what you just do. I guess, you know, since most people aren't really being insulted by it, it's it's probably not a big thing. It's probably better, honestly, that you keep doing this as opposed to, like, real insults. So I guess uh, keep doing what you're doing. So I'm not actually hurting people. Uh, no, not at all. I think you're just confusing a whole bunch of people. This is probably why, you know, no offense, but this is probably why you're sitting alone on the bus. What? I mean, if you said less about, you know, dig oint, fart, splash stuff, maybe I would sit with you and we could be friends. But, you know, if anything, I'm just kind of a little bit more confused most of the time around you just by the things that you say if you could just not say that i have a feeling we could be friends so i've been the thump twistle the whole time i don't know what that means but i guess yes you have been the thump twistle the whole time god damn it i've been the thump twistle god this is worse than being a vagina foot i'll go and rethink my ways clark gee just uh, helping to correct other people's ways seems to be working out for me maybe i should try this as a career Welcome to Smallville, which is where we've landed as we go into part two of Man of Steel, Zack Snyder versus Critics. This is Ben, and with me is my co-host. Andrew, everybody, we've taken that dick ship, (laughs) and we have dick splashed into a lake in Smallville, and (laughs) we've we've made it. We've made it to part two, everyone. If you haven't seen part (laughs) one or listened to it or whatever, go back and listen to that. We talk about our positions on it a little bit Mm -hmm. weirdly in detail, so... Uh, well, I think we're, we're the rubber meets the road a little bit more in this episode, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those who need a recap, as I've said in part one, neither one of us are necessarily Snyder stands, No, are we haters of Zack Snyder's stuff. We appreciate a lot of his decisions as well as criticize a lot of his decisions, and we've done that with Christopher Nolan, Joel Schumacher, Tim Burton, Richard Donner. We've done that with basically everybody. Uh, so we're not going to treat Snyder any different. Uh, there are things that I appreciate about Snyder that other people don't, and there are things that I criticize about him, and same thing with Andrew, and sometimes we disagree on where we side with, the Sny- with Snyder's decisions and where we side with the critics so that is why yeah we're doing this snyder has the the power of of michael bay but is a lot more artistic i think in a lot of ways i say there's a I lot mean? more thought into it yeah, yeah a lot more yeah. thought into it i mean sorry if you're a michael bay fan but i'm not so much a fan although <laughs> that first bad boys movie was great but other mm-hmm. than that um i'm not generally a fan especially the transformers movies but anyway um yeah. 
it's yeah, it's it's interesting how Snyder kind of uh, lines up with with mm-hmm. some of his contemporaries. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah. for here, our last score we left off with Snyder one, critics one, and then I think the last thing we brought up we disagreed on, and that's where it just kind of washes out. So uh, we're at a complete tie right now. We left mm. off. Where will it go in, from here? No one knows. Yeah. <laughs> we left off in Smallville with Jonathan Kent saying, you know, being asked, should I have just left those kids die? And he just says, like, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but this does lead into a very important scene where he shows Cal, you know, Clark, the rocket ship that he landed in, mm-hmm. uh, the dick rocket ship, as Andrew noted, <laughs> that splashed into the lake of Smallville. Uh, <laughs> but oh, uh, man, it does lead into a very heartfelt moment. That's right out of the comics where Clark says, can't I just keep being your son? And Jonathan says, you are my son. Uh, and yeah. that comes yeah. In that the comes directly from Jeff Johns. In the trailer, it's great. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, this is one of the better parts of the movie right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that directly comes from Superman's Secret Origin, written by Jeff Johns and illustrated by Gary Frank. And it's no coincidence either. Goyer wrote the introduction to uh, Superman's Secret Origin and credited... Jeff Johns for this. So I'm going to have Andrew read as David Goyer here. Right there in that moment, Jeff contextualized Superman in a way that I'm not sure has ever really been done before. I had an aha experience when I read that. For the first time, I was able to grasp how lonely Clark must have been when he was growing up. And what a sacrifice Clark must continually make by being Superman. Don't you get it? <laughs> yes, we do, Mr. Goyer. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, it's, you know, there's a lot of Jeff Johns in this, which is kind of a shame considering the current accusations that Ray Fisher is uh, discussing. Of Jeff Johns, we won't get too much into it, but I'm, I'm just saying that uh, it's a shame considering that he seemed to be such a big influence on Snyder that uh, they... He may doesn't get along with at least one of the uh, members of the Justice League crew. Yeah, probably more than that. But lots of drama we don't have anybody going on, record on yet. in the DC as usual. Yep. Uh, let's see. Jonathan Kent also says you were sent here for a reason, which is a line directly from Superman the movie by Jonathan Kent, Glenn Ford's Jonathan Kent. So uh, those are some of the other influences there. And that's destiny, scene. sort of yes. almost religious, but destiny's not necessarily religious, <clears> but. Yeah, it's it's kind of it kind of get you know harps on some of those. It, it, it's playing some of those notes. Yeah, you yeah, know? which is interesting because of the fact that Jor El was like you know you get to make a choice really, but I mean it's it, it, there's a specific choice that he has. It's not like he can just go off and you know be a musician. <laughs> you know, like he's, yeah. he's got other things <laughs> that like what does he do with these powers? It's yeah, um, yeah. I mean, how irresponsible would you feel? You know, if you had mm-hmm. that ability and uh, you you were, <laughs> no offense against musicians, but you know what I mean. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, Any, yeah Doing exactly. anything other than that shit, pretty mm-hmm. much. So Exactly. Uh, him, him, every see. time he's Clark Kent, he's essentially kind of being selfish in a sense, but he also wants to lead a life. He wants to mm-hmm. be, he wants to be normal in a way. So he, he, he wants to be selfish every time he puts his glasses on. That's a, that's a like underlying logic of mm-hmm. Superman, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like what if this gets out of hand? I would be Superman twenty four seven, and I would always be saving people when feeling guilty about those I couldn't save. You know, yeah. like those are random people who I just didn't know were in trouble at the time. You and know, he so, can't be everywhere at once. In the animated series, he says, 
I'd go crazy if I was Superman all the time, which is, mm-hmm. I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's that. And yeah. that's a very interesting thing that they added to, to their little mythology there. I, I think that's, that shows a little something, you know? I think you have to. I think yeah. you have to yeah. bring that up and, and answer the reason why he wouldn't just go out and do that. It's like, yeah. well, because I'm a, you know, I grew up as a human being. I have human emotions and feelings. I can't always be doing that. You have to be... Even Superman gets burned out. You have to take some me time, Ben. Some time for yourself. Yeah. A time... Yep. Fortress Solitude or back on the farm or or whatever. You know, you... Even Superman can go a little crazy. You gotta... Right. Gotta... You gotta be a little selfish, kind of. But it's it's an order... You know, no one wants to see you go crazy. So, you know... Yeah. It's one of those, like, good... Good me time. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, Clark doesn't have much time for me time in the present day where he works (laughs) as a waiter and sees his co-worker get basically uh, what looks like sexually assaulted and he tries to intervene and the guy kind of just, you know, he throws the beer can at him, but uh, Snyder wanted to show an instance where Clark kind of has to turn the other cheek, so to speak. Yeah, this was a good scene. Uh, but this does lead into the next controversial moment that I'm sure you were predicting, which yeah. is that when the guy leaves the diner, his truck has a whole bunch of telephone poles stuck through it. And uh, the reason why this is controversial is a lot of people feel that Superman wouldn't really be this petty mm-hmm. uh, with his powers and that he kind of just destroyed this guy's livelihood uh, with a truck or whatever just to kind of get revenge and get back at him sort of things. Uh, there is some whataboutism involved too in this where from the other side where Snyder fans bring up, well, you know, you guys seem to be okay in Superman 2 when he beats up that trucker dude. Uh, that's it, right, the trucker callbacks. I forgot about it's, that. There's a trucker callback, yeah, because yeah, he also encounters a trucker when he doesn't have powers in Superman 2. However, I'm just like, well, let's treat things in its own story. Because just because it happens in one story doesn't mean it excuses something other. Though, in this case, I think they were calling out hypocrisy on here. But when it comes to this specific choice, how do you feel when it comes to Clark sort of doing this versus what people are saying eh, in terms of their opinions? I'm like, eh, Superman wouldn't do that. It, like, what do you feel? It is feel? it is petty, but, you know, he's not Superman yet also. True. You know, However, so there's a character arc that sort of here I guess <laughs> yeah but they don't call attention to it that's like true I, that's true to, so he, here's how I feel I agree with you but also I like if the whole point was for Clark to learn better then dramatize that don't just be like yeah but he'll get better later like actually turn it into a learning lesson for Clark so he can see him evolve so yeah I would do something where maybe you know he did that the guy comes back in and he's all horrified and stuff and he breaks down that like he's he doesn't have a job anymore. He doesn't know what to do. And Clark, meanwhile, feels guilty because he's just like he just had his revenge. That's and stuff. true. And I think that would have been you know, cool. That would have been Clark. Cool. Maybe Clark maybe sees that he can't solve everything that way. You know that um, that you know that would. <laughs> it's hard to not ever say that phrase again. I'm sorry, <laughs> but it would have been better. It would have been better. Uh, and then I guess my idea was that not only that, but Clark decides okay, I fucked up. Here's a way to make it right. And so he like hooks the guy up with like a new job and the guy apologizes to him and the waitress. And then you, and then Clark moves on and he's like, okay, I saw the problem, but it could, that could have gone badly. Like now I know I can't just solve everything with my problem, with my powers. I think Snyder likes that. I'm just talking out of my ass here, but it feels like Snyder just likes that visual of 
the logs through through it. Yeah. There's, a, there's a spectacle to it also. It's not just Apparently, Clark yeah. squeezing the engine uh, parts or yeah. something. It's it's full on big ass logs, which right. is which is kind of vis- visually cool. But but I agree, it's petty. I I uh, critics 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 on this one. Yeah, I agree. All right, so Snyder one critics two. Not Apparently that's film ruining. Segment. Not film ruining. Not film ruining. But it is one where I'm like I agree with. Yeah, just the feeling of like eh, I don't know about that. Uh, they apparently that's a real semi truck that they stuck telephone poles through. What? I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how. Really? I thought th- I totally uh, would have thought that was CG. Apparently, it's a real thing. According to I think this was on the Snyder commentary where I picked that up. So oh, that's nuts. That man. is that that's is nuts. nuts. Um, this is less of a Snyder versus critics thing, but I also kind of found it a little weird where. He's being bullied or abused when he's in Henry Cavill form. I'm like, this guy's huge. <laughs> like, I'm like, um, well, again, that, it's, but that guy might be drunk. Yeah, guys are gonna be. Like, eh. Guys want to take down a big guy too. You know what I mean? It's just there, this there's is the, no limits to toxic masculinity, Ben. Yes, I know. But <laughs> in terms of <laughs> in terms of the conceit of him being an outcast. And this is kind of what we talked about a little bit with Jim Fagan and in the Is Superman Cool episode, but then sometimes it feels a little contradictory to be like, oh, he's an outcast, but he also looks like this dropped-in handsome dude at the same time. And I'm just like, okay, well, you have to you have to make clear what makes him an outcast. What makes him an outcast is uh, the fact that he has to hide this part of himself, not necessarily that he's getting yeah, bullied Other people all the don't time. see him as an outcast, especially as an adult. Yeah, yeah. He feels um, like he is one. Right, and that's because my of point, who though. he is. Yeah, that's that's my point, though, is that it feels sometimes that the movie's sort of treating him as an external outcast, where other people right. treat him that way and right. they bully him. But I'm just like, he also, like, he doesn't in real life. He also, at least in Henry Cavill form, it's <laughs> kind of tough to see that. Um, uh, I, I to see that happening. He's but, not. He's again, an outcast in this scene, though. He's he's just not the as, guy's pissed not at necessarily, him because he's just, uh, getting in the way of the girl or whatever. Well, it's just the overall feeling of that he's a, this loner outcast dude who doesn't get along. Like you know, he gets tra- he gets chastised by the other fishermen when he's on the on the boat. You know, do they say? Um, oh, they call him Greenhorn. That's right. Yeah, because he fucks up uh, at that point. Like it's yeah, yeah. It, it's a common thing. And then you've got all the flashbacks of him being bullied as a kid. You know, I'm like okay, like I get where you're going with this. I just feel that the outcast part of Clark isn't that other people treat him like shit it's that he always has to hide a certain part of himself uh, and he can't right. completely be like everyone else even though he badly wants to be like everyone else right so again might be a little nitpicky on my part but uh, I thought that was worth bringing up uh, alright we finally go to get to meet Lois Lane in the next scene finally uh, Yes, Lois meets Clark, where Clark is posing as a man named Joe, and Easter egg Joe is probably comes from his middle name, because his middle name is Joseph, Clark Joseph Kent, so that's probably where he uh, got that from. Uh, other trivia is that Lois, when she shows up, is greeted by a man named Jed Eubanks, who is played by actor Tamo Pennicut. Both Amy Adams and Tamo Pennicut were in Smallville. In different in different uh, episodes, Amy but Adams was in Smallville. Amy Adams was in Smallville in the first season, I believe. Uh, she played a character named Jody Melville, who was a villain uh, in the episode "Craving," where uh, she wore a lot of prosthetic makeup for this role, where she was overweight until the kryptonite allowed her to be thin only if she absorbed the fat from other people. 
So <laughs> very weird. Wow. Uh, but kind of hilarious when you look back at that. that that's going to be future uh, Amy Adams. Smallville got weird with that. it. Amy Small Adams got was, weird from the beginning. She was yeah. almost a Power Ranger in one season or another, but her agents really? told her not to do it. <laughs> I don't think that would have. Yeah. I don't think that necessarily would have ruined her career or anything. Depends on uh, timing, I guess. But yeah, I guess she, so. Yeah. She turned out okay, I guess. Let's see, Tomo Pennicut also played two char- two characters in Smallville. He played a character named Vince Davis, who is a man brought back from the dead in an episode called Resurrection, and then he also played a character named Wes Keenan in the episodes Nemesis and Prototype, who was Lois Lane's first love in Smallville continuity. So. Uh, there's a lot of Smallville actors actually in this movie uh, and I'll go into more when they crop up I didn't know there was so much Smallville in this there's a lot of small there's a lot of Smallville influence this is in one this, of my frankly. biggest surprises so far in, yeah. in, in, our, <laughs> in, your, in our ongoing series let's see How, what are your thoughts on Amy Adams as Lois I think she's good I don't understand I mean you know people want Margot Kidder or whatever you know mm-hmm. she's you know OG for sure I mean, not even the most OG, obviously, but you know, uh, yeah, I I think she's good. She doesn't have as much to do as you know as you'd like, I guess. But as as her for her being Lois and her playing opposite Cavill, I think it mostly works. I mean, what do you think? Uh, I f- I feel like she does well with the role, but I also feel like the role and the way that it's written doesn't quite have the same. It's not the same spunk that you're used to, and I'm not just talking about Margot Kidder at all. I'm talking about all the previous versions of her. You know, oh, well, like, she's like, see ya, Chief, and and yeah, Fleischer, like Joan, Alex- and Joan yeah. Alexander, and Fleischer, Raleigh Bester from the very beginning. Yeah, you know, like a, a whole bunch of different Noel Neal. Like, there's a, I think the most lowest like I guess out of uh, in terms of that type of spunk is when. She has the whole line about, okay, if you guys are done measuring dicks, can we get on with it type of thing. Yeah, so she, got, got, she has thing. a little bit of that in there. She has a little bit, and I feel like there – I wish that there was more. It just feels like a very subdued Lois compa- compared to the versions that we've seen. Does she have many, uh, many scenes with Perry White, though? That's when she's spunkiest generally, right? Mm, yeah, and I, I just feel like she's just kind of normal in that. You know, I don't really feel that yeah, she, she – yeah. It's 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 not the same. I'm not saying that's a bad uh, performance or anything like that. But in terms of representing Lois, it's kind of like it, it feels a very, it feels very subdued, and I I feel like that kind of in some ways makes the character's personality a little, little more boring. Okay. Uh, in my opinion, they do give her a lot more to do when it comes to, you know, in the ultimate cover Batman vs Superman, she has a whole investigative investigation subplot like technically she's the one who gets Lex Luthor in jail by the end not Batman or Superman okay uh, really uh, and in this one you know she gets a little bit more when it comes to helping to take down the Kryptonians she's got that whole sequence where she's firing at them with that gun when oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Joel is helping us so it's it's cool but uh, you know Amy Adams is a great actress I just don't think that her Lois stands out compared to other versions personally so all right uh, let's see. Again, not a Snyder versus Critics thing, just something that I thought I would bring up. Let's see. Uh, okay, so this is another. We are introduced to a whole bunch of other characters when Lois arrives. We're introduced to Colonel Hardy, played by Chris Maloney, who is also Commissioner Gordon in the Harley Quinn show. Um, oh, he I is? Think, that's great. Yeah. His, his, that's uh, one of my favorite Gordons, actually, <laughs> just because yeah. it's so comedic. Yeah, yeah. So completely different. 
uh, type of performance, but same actor. And uh, I think a lot of people, when they found out he was playing a military man, were wondering if he was going to play General Sam Lane, the father to Lois Lane. But I don't know, age different wise, if if that would have really worked. But it would have been cool to see Lois's dad involved in this because of how much of a, you know, she grew up as an army brat. You know, yeah. her, she's very much uh, part of it, but it's never really referenced ever in this continuity. Adams and, uh, and and Ma Kent, um, they're only like 10 years apart or some shit in real life. Jeez, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think so. Uh, they're, they're fairly close. I do, I do think they age up Diane Lane a bit. I think yeah, they Diane Lane, do age yeah. up yeah, with the makeup and the, and the gray hair. I do think that they do that. Uh, and that's probably because they wanted her to look uh, the way she does in the flashbacks. And then they would just age her up later as opposed to doing the reverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. We're also introduced to Richard Schiff as Dr. Emil Hamilton, who's in the comics as well as a prominent character in Superman the Animated Series. Uh, we technically get more than one Dr. Hamilton because in the same scene, we get introduced to uh, a character played by Alessandro Giuliani, who also played Dr. Emil Hamilton in Smallville. So oh, there's wow. another Smallville actor here in Is the Hamilton same scene. The, the doctor he's all, the, the, the scientist he's always talking to. Yeah, the it's bearded scientist almost, at Star Labs. Almost an Alfred type in, kind of, in the yeah. animated show. Yeah, though he okay. turns on him later when you watch uh, Justice League Unlimited. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Hamilton's part of Cadmus in uh, the I'm, Unlimited show. I'm watching show. out of order, kind of. I already saw all of JLU, but okay. Right. I got you. Yeah. Uh, but Alessandro Giuliani plays one of the army guys who also played Dr. Hamilton in Smallville, so it's kind of cool seeing both Dr. Hamiltons at once. Uh, Snyder apparently did not cast him for this. He said that the main reason why he cast him was that uh, this actor was also in Watchmen. So Alessandro Giuliani played uh, a guy, a scientist, who is looking at the screen where Dr. Manhattan is on Mars and there's the smiley face okay. on it. Uh, and in this movie, Alessandro Giuliani's character, uh, when he rushes out, when he hears that the spaceship's taking off, uh, you see that he's been looking at uh, Mars on the screen. So apparently Snyder was trying to do a little connection there. And according okay. to his commentary, even considered putting in Dr. Manhattan in the shot. What? For his little crossover. But he decided against it because that probably is way too much, I think. At that uh, time, the the before Rebirth, the Watchmen universe was separate from the standard DC universe. That too. So this is kind of foreshadowing of that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think maybe he didn't want to cross over universes so much as he wanted to put an Easter egg to his own fucking movie that he did in the yeah, past. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I agree. Uh, let's see. Clark goes into the Kryptonian scout ship that landed twenty thousand years ago, and when he's there, this is a known Easter egg. Uh, there's a bunch of pods containing Kryptonians, but one pod is open. Yeah. And noticeably empty. And people believed at the time that this is Kara Zor-El, his cousin, the future Supergirl. Yeah. And it was even written like that in a Man of Steel prequel comic written by Goyer, Snyder, and Jeff Johns. So this is definitely not even like, this is not even fans speculating. This is definitely part of their plan. Or well, it was yes, at least. And, yes and, and no in terms of the empty pod. In terms of that's... That Supergirl, it's supposed to be Supergirl. It's not like the, we thought it was Aquaman and Snyder's just playing along now. Like, this was part of the plan all along. There was definitely a plan involved. However, uh, even though Snyder and Boyer were involved with that comic, uh, Snyder, excuse me, Snyder later on said uh, it wasn't a hint for Supergirl. It was a hint at, quote-unquote, something more. 
So, uh, he says. So that would be Doomsday again? Maybe. He says that was definitely by design, so stay tuned. So, you and I will speculate on who could be an ancient Kryptonian who escaped, who isn't Supergirl, and probably isn't Doomsday either. That would be kind of redundant, in my opinion. But we can cover that in the Patreon. Just to see uh, <laughs> who the hell could this be? Okay. So that'll be cool. Uh, let's see. I have no. Okay. Other than Supergirl, I don't know. Oh, you do know a lot about the ancient Kryptonians. After the Rowism stuff, so yeah, but they're gonna go. The, you think they're gonna? You think they're gonna go that route? And Snyder? I mean, it's nothing's against. Nothing's out of the question, I guess. But that's well, just Snyder. So I mean, look, he took all the, the names from the Phantom yeah, Zone normal. villains in the from the comics in here. They had the whole moon being broken with a doomsday explanation. Like anything goes at this point, I think. You think the Kryptonian Nightwing was in that goddamn ship? Maybe. I mean, all I can say <laughs> is that in a line that was cut from the Zack Snyder Justice League that's in the trailer, at one point Steppenwolf says that the reason why they can invade is that there's no more Kryptonians. Kryptonians. Plural. Uh, so, who knows? Maybe yeah, a Kryptonian was part yeah. of the defense against Darkseid's invasion in the Snyder Cut. We'll just have to see in March. Uh, let's see. <sighs> All right. All we'll right. speculate in the Patreon. Uh, let's see. Clark meets yeah. Lois more formally this time, where he ends up having to cauterize the wound. And that was kind of cool, I think. Uh, Snyder wanted to show that he can see internal injuries uh, and that he's capable of, of doing that type of healing. And, you know, this is also where I get to say, like... Oh, yeah, because Kalex or some 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 robot uh, that's defending her, the yeah. ship fucks yeah, her up. exactly. Uh, so he helps yeah, her out I, there. There's also, like, really subtle... Uh, there's some subtle acting here from Cavill, I think, which is really good. I think the idea is that the heat... the the heat vision is kind of one of the more taxing things that he does. Mm. And it, it seems like it kind of strains his eyes. If you go back and look at those scenes, Cavill is doing a little bit of like, you know, my, my eyes are being strained kind of acting, mm. which I think is, is pretty, that's cool. pretty cool. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Yeah. It's over here where I'm just like, yeah, this Clark definitely saves people already. He saved the people on the oil rig. He tried to defend the waitress. He's saving Lois here. He saved the kids on the bus when he was growing up. Like, you know, right. you know, like this is definitely that, that, that robot too, that, that robot there to me feels dangerous also for some reason. I don't know what it is. Maybe that's just me. But the way I don't know, I just feel like that robot would just (laughs) like Kryptonian robot. We saw it with Lois a little bit, but yeah yeah so but yeah he's saving people a lot in this movie it's just it's just when they get to the end people have the problem yeah. with that but I guess we'll get there won't we, we will then? we will uh, let's see Lois eventually <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> maybe probably not this episode <laughs> Lois goes yeah. back to work at the Daily Planet where we meet Perry White played by Lawrence Fishburne and I believe he's the first African American Perry White that we've ever seen in all media so that's kind of cool yeah. Uh, one thing that was kind of yeah, criticized right. was the expositionary. I'm not going to do a Snyder versus critics thing because it's just one line that didn't. It was. It didn't have any resounding implications in terms of people's morality or character, like the whole maybe thing did with Jonathan Kent. But uh, Lois maybe. at one point says, "I'm a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter." To Perry, people are just like, "That's kind of. <laughs> that's a little on the nose." Uh, to that. Yeah. So, uh, do you say that all the time, <laughs> Lois? As if Perry doesn't know that. <laughs> I know that. (laughs) Um, And then Clark. Pulitzer. Pulitzer. 
The scout. Sh- I say Pulitzer. I say Pulitzer too. Yeah. When Clark, uh, yeah, the scout ship's taken off, and Clark meets the AI version of Russell Crowe's Jor-El, uh, and it's here <laughs> that okay, pretty much I had to bring up a little anecdote where this was not the first time that Cavill and Crowe have met. So there's a story that they yeah, told where yeah. Crowe uh, was in London, I believe, and uh, he was shooting a movie called Proof of Life. And he was with the actor who plays his son in the movie, and they were watching a rugby game. And one of the rugby players was Henry Cavill, who recognized him. Henry Cavill was 16 at the time. He was also not Fat Cavill uh, anymore at that point. He had, he had, I guess, lost the weight after playing rugby. But he obviously <laughs> noticed Crow, who's a big star at this time, with like Gladiator, L.A. Confidential, and all that, and asked Crow about acting, and Crow gave him a lot of honest feedback and stuff. And later on, Crow even sent him sort of a, um, almost like a care package type of thing at Cavill's uh, school or something, just to, and with a quote, uh, you know, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step to him in terms of just like good luck with everything. Yeah, so that's good. Years later, Crow meets Cavill on set, and he doesn't quite remember who he is, but he gets the feeling that they've met. And he's like, have we met before? Yeah. And Cavill's like, we did, and you gave me advice on acting. And Crow was like, what did I say? And Cavill said, well, they pay you well, but they treat you like shit. And Crow was like, that's exactly what <laughs> what I said. You are that boy. <laughs> so wow. uh, that is that's cool, cool that they got to reunite in that way, and it's it's awesome that Snyder was able to do that. I doubt that he knew that before he ca- did the casting, but uh, that's, that's pretty cool. So... Uh, I think there was some scene too. I think Goyer was on set that day or something where he was fucking with Crow and he said, "Oh yeah, we're gonna have Beppo the monkey over there. It's CG monkey." Really? And Crow was like, "What? Really?" <laughs> so, something like that. Some anecdote like that. Oh, I yeah. gotta look that up. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's yeah. see. Uh, the scout ship is where we get the history lesson that I said in part one. Like, eh, this is where you could have cut in what actually happened in Krypton because he tells them the same stuff anyway. Uh, but yeah. when the ship is showing all the stuff, we get Zod almost looking like a hero in that way. And that's uh, was deliberate on Snyder's part. He said that he wanted Zod to look that way because in his mind, he's he feels that he's the good guy. He's always the one who's right sort of thing. So yeah. that's right, cool. Right, right. And around this time, this is where the Superman, shi- the Superman ship, the Superman suit uh, is produced by the ship. And... Right. What Snyder said on the commentary is that this is not a suit that was there for two hundred thousand years or twenty thousand years. This was a suit generated when Clark inserted the uh, the chip into the into the ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, the AI communicated to the ship to create the suit. So don't don't be mistaken that this thing has been just sitting there for thousands of years. It hasn't. So right, right, right. that's an interesting detail. Um, the suit coming from Krypton, or specifically Jor-El, the AI Jor-El, uh, is also from the Donner movie. This is not what traditionally happens. What traditionally happens is that Martha Kent makes it for Clark using the Kryptonian blankets that he was wrapped in when he arrived. So uh, they also have to come up with all sorts of different explanations on how she was able to even sew with Kryptonian clothes. Uh, yeah. But you know. I, I, I like the newer one more. This is one one area where I'm not a traditionalist. Uh I, I, I prefer You prefer this. it coming from... Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense because of the, the shield, the sh- the you know. The ship. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, all no that matter, stuff. I, a little bit more sci-fi explanation, I think. No I matter think. what, it does have to be Kryptonian clothes in order to 
explain why the hell he doesn't always fall apart whenever he gets like shot at or going through flame going into the sun yeah, and shit exactly yeah so that's that's a good thing apparently this is a rumor that was posted on the instagram of australian filmmaker ryan unicomb who is doing the documentary on justice league mortal and he did a oh, post shit. that okay. i have since found deleted so i don't know why he deleted it or where it came from beforehand but he said that if you notice in the beginning of man of steel when jor-el first dons the armor to fight zod he's in almost uh you can see the superman type suit that he's wearing before he dons the armor uh Okay. And Ryan posted a picture of what looked like the Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill wearing the same exact armor as Jor-El. And what he was saying was that there was an original idea where Clark would go into the fight with Zod wearing his father's armor. I've but heard about then this, yeah. during the fight, it all gets fucked up and stripped away, and he's left with the Under Armour chainmail, which is the Superman suit. Uh that's a great, great idea. Yeah. I mean, that would have been really cool. Also represents like his Kryptonian side being literally stripped away. So that's kind of a nice little detail. I'm not sure how the cape would have fit into it, but it, it's it's a cool idea and would have definitely looked, you know, unusual for him to go to the first fight like that. So that's cool. Uh, let's see. Snyder identifies that the family suit for the L, the House of L, is the black suit. But the the public suit uh, that is generated by the AI is meant to be a suit of optimism, which is why it has the colors that it does. Notice that he's got a much brighter suit than any of the other Kryptonians yeah, yeah. we've seen. So, yeah. uh, and then before we go to the break, I thought I would go into one of the lines of dialogue that Jor-El says here is from one of Andrew's favorite comic book writers, Grant Morrison. It's from all <laughs> Grant Morrison. I can't stop talking about him. <laughs> That bald Scottish man, I have shake, I have shaken his hand in uh, real yes. life at a convention. Uh, he wrote All Star Superman with art by Frank Quitely, but one of his monologues from Jor-El actually makes it into Man of Steel. Uh, it's a little bit rewritten by David Goyer, but I thought that I would have Andrew read the original monologue. You have given them an ideal to aspire to, embodied their highest aspirations. They will race and stumble and fall and crawl and curse. And finally, they will join you in the sun, Kalel. Thank you, Mr. Crow. Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, this is great. I'm get, when we get to the end, I'm going to circle back to this right, right okay. here. Uh, so uh, hold me to that. Okay. But yeah, uh, there's, that, that's an important point, I think. Sounds uh, good to for, me. For later. So uh, when yeah. we get back... Stay, Stay tuned. tuned. When we get back to the from the break, we'll go into Clark's first flight. Need some adventure in your life? What Mad Universe is a podcast about the history of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, where we delve the depths of pop culture history. Everything's the same politically, but we have ray guns. The, the actual motive isn't to explore something that's, quote, yeah. scientifically possible. Or... But neither is Star Wars, and I know there's Shh. arguments about that, but I would definitely consider Star Wars science fiction. You haven't it's... read Dune! You have, no, I haven't. You can never be the Kwisatz Haderach. What Mad Universe on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Adam West, old buddy, old pal, thanks for coming in for this audition. Thank you for bringing me in. Lovely to have you here, Hoss. So, we have your sides here. 
and uh, just uh, have at the lines for, uh, you know, your audition to be the next James Bond. So I'm sure it's a shoe-in, but this is more of a formality, really. And uh, just go, go ahead. There you go. Thank you, old chum. Before I start, I just want to make clear you want me to be different from Batman, right? We want you to put your Adam West flair onto the next James Bond. Let's put it that way. Say no more, old chum. I'd like a vodka martini, shaken, not stirred. Now, is that... You're, okay, pretty good, but... Thank you. Just wondering if you could... I mean, why was that like a question? You said to add the Adam West flair. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's try it again. Maybe try it a little differently this time, okay? So, uh, take two. Go ahead. I'll have a vodka martini. Shaken, not stirred. Okay, that was a little bit better. All right, so um, let's move on to the second page there on your sides. In this scene, you're going to be talking to Blofeld, and uh, you've uncovered his, his evil plan. Say no more. Blofeld, you foul fiend. See, I've added the foul fiend, the Adam West flair. You foul fiend, you and your cat crimes, I will bring you to justice. Okay, starting to think this wasn't such a good idea. I, I, I guess you just you just talk like that. What seems to be the problem, old chum? I think you forgot where Batman ends and West begins. And, and then it's seeping into all your other ro- roles there, hoss. Mr. Broccoli, I have range. Okay, we're gonna give you one more try. This is a fight scene, okay, buddy? Uh, we got some stuntmen yes. here ready for you to, uh, you know, they they can take a punch. They, you know, you don't have to pull your punches too much with these guys. So, uh, take oh, it away. I'm ready. Okay, let's let's see it. Uh, let's see how well you do action as Bond. So here you go. And bam, pow, zapple, wham. I think I did pretty good. Wow, uh, this is a- amazing. It's like the soundtrack appeared out of thin air. Um, you know what? You have ways to have ways to revitalize the franchise. All right, so basically, um, maybe I'm the first guy in Hollywood to say this because it is the 60s, but uh, I'll have my people call your people. So it's been great, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes from here. Very well, Mr. Broccoli. I'll see myself out. Oh, thank God. I did not want another franchise. All right, everybody. If you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news. Plus, we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes basically consider it superhouse dlc oh hi i'm troy mcclure you may remember me from such films as darren aronofsky's batman year one and joel schumacher's batman unchained and right now you're listening to superhero stuff you should know And we're back. Andrew has his Man of Steel Blu-ray set, limited Woo! edition, as he said. I am jelly because I don't have such a wow. thing. I had to watch it on HBO Max like a fucking layman. Oh, you <laughs> So <laughs> you didn't get one of these limited edition, only 50,000 in the world ever made, big-ass <laughs> Blu-ray, Blu-ray 3D thingies? I did not. It is great. I did not, but I think Man of Steel has more of a emotional significance for you 
than it is for me. So yeah, I bought this immediately. <laughs> <laughs> this was this. Yeah. I, I only have a few Blu-rays. This yeah. is one of them. All I got Superman wise yeah. is this uh, 1940s Siegel Schuster uh, Superman here. That's, that's also it, so. good. Uh, that's what I got. My also Superman good. shirt is on the way. <laughs> I was going to get, get one, yeah. but it's, it's taken forever to get here. So that's why I'm in the Wayne. I'm still in Batman clothes. This is the Wayne Enterprises logo that's on the satellite that Clark and Zod are oh, yeah. fighting that's right. on. Because that right. was back when they were still using the Nolan logo. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's before right. Superman yeah. can fight Zod, he has to learn how to fly. So we're now in one of my favorite scenes of the movie, which is Clark learning how yeah. to fly. Uh, he does start by leaping, which Snyder said makes sense because when you would first try it out, you probably would try it as more of a jump first because you don't know how to do it yet. Uh, but that also is call back yeah. to the Golden Age Superman who hadn't flown yet because that hadn't been established until the radio series and the Fleischer Superman. Originally, the Golden Age Superman would just leap, which is yes. why you have the phrase about him leaping tall buildings in a single bound. It comes from that yeah. idea. Uh I think I did pick up on that when I first saw it, too. I thought that was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, no, it's awesome, and I think it's... Snyder says it's not until Clark realizes the true strength of his power that he he basically accepts that he can fully fly uh, type of thing. So yeah. I really love this. I think, for me, I love the idea of flight being like him embracing the power, embracing some side of himself, which is why in the Radio Superman episode, I talked about how much I love uh, Gene Luen Yang's uh, Superman smashes the clan where he doesn't really fly yeah. until at the very end when he finally publicly admits that he's an alien in order to go up against the KKK. Yeah. Like that was just when you make it all, when you tie in a superpower with the emotion like that and about acceptance and accepting who you are, it becomes so much more than just a dude who can fly. I, I agree with that. I, there was a, there was a scene um, in one of the X-Men movies, I think first class where it's not his first time using it, I think, but, um, Professor X goes into Magneto's mind and sees a beautiful yeah. memory, and then as soon as he leaves his mind, he's yeah. crying. And it's just like you, you've you've successfully combined the power with an mm-hmm. emotion. And this is uh, not exactly the same <laughs> right. thing, but yeah. it's similar. It's a it's similar great. thing. Uh, did you have Did yeah. you have something else on the flight scene? Yeah, I do. So, um, very. This is my most miserable detail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the Man of Steel Japan premiere that I did watch, I think all maybe live or as soon as it came out, they, they, you know they had a premiere months later in Japan, mm-hmm. right? Um, Snyder reveals that he was inspired by the anime uh, Birdie the Mighty for the flight scenes in huh. particular. Maybe sh- I actually I sh- should have seen that by this point, but I haven't seen that anime yet. But, uh, you know, a lot of the times movement and shit is very dynamic in anime. I'm pretty sure Snyder's an anime yeah. fan. I mean, it's he's got Dragon Ball <laughs> over the fighting in the end and stuff. So um, I th- and I, I feel like, you know, not many people probably saw this Japan premiere. So I thought I would, you know, share this little tidbit. That's awesome. I haven't heard that. I haven't heard the the anime so, influences of the flight. I mean, everyone talks about Dragon Ball with him versus Zod, but not necessarily the any influence on the flight scene. So that's pretty cool. Birdie, Birdie the Mighty. First I've heard name. of it. So yeah. there you yep. go, baby. Deep dives. We give you the deep dives. 
There's a deep cut right there, man. That premiere shit's probably still on mm. YouTube, you know, if you want to check it out. He probably said some other shit that I forgot, but I was like, oh, shit, anime influence, that's cool. You know, Nolan obviously likes Paprika, which, uh, you know, everybody says that, you know, he stole for yeah. reception. <laughs> so, you know, these guys are watching yeah. anime, man. Everybody, to- they totally Absolutely. are. So, uh, Let's yeah. see. We are... Next Smallville flashback is an infamous one that we have talked about during the Superman the movie deep dive, and it is the death of Jonathan Kent. So here we go. Yeah. Uh, this uh, Jonathan Kent dying, but Martha surviving. Critics. <laughs> Voting critics already. Uh, Don't like it. But let's, let's, go, let's go into <laughs> why. Uh, so Jonathan Kent dying, and Martha surviving is another one of those things that comes from previous Superman adaptation, Christopher Reeve in the Richard Donner one. But beforehand, it was the George Reeve Superman in the first episode. His father dies of a heart attack. So this idea of Jonathan Kent dying and Martha being a widow sort of originates from there as opposed to the comics. And uh, Snyder pretty much takes the same exact cue. It also happened in in Smallville as well. Uh, So a lot of people are doing this, even though I personally think it would have been more refreshing to have both uh, Ma and Pa Kent alive because of the fact that it wasn't done in the previous movies. But that's just me. Uh, anyway, this is different, however, because Jonathan Kent does not die from a heart attack. He dies from a natural disaster. He dies from a tornado. A twister. Uh, yes. He needed <laughs> he needed uh, Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt to help rescue him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a cow. It's a cow flying in the fucking... Uh, man... I, I, I saw Twister yeah. in the theater, dude. Did you see it in no, the theater? No, we rented it on Blockbuster, I think. Okay, so, you know, I was already in the movies when I was a kid, obviously. I mean, most, a lot of kids are. But anyway, I, but it was off my radar. My parents were like, we're going to go see mm-hmm. Twister. And I hadn't, I hadn't even seen a trailer for it. And I, it just blew my mind when I was a kid. I was like, this movie's awesome. <laughs> I just, I, I love yeah, Twister. Yeah. yeah. The, an early role, too, for Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think. I think he's in there. Was Hoffman I think he is. Shit? I think it's he's been one a while of the cameras. I've seen it. I might be wrong, but let us okay. know. Okay. Oh, you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. That, but that cow scene is so. It's either like, that or I got it mixed up with his role in Boogie Nights. We'll see. <laughs> in terms of him being <laughs> behind the scenes crew, uh, oh, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, Clark helping during a tornado or tornadoes happening in Smallville has actually been established in a lot of different things in the comics. Uh, Clark is shown saving people during a tornado in Secret Origin again. Jeff Johns, Gary Frank. Uh, he's shown doing it in Superman for All Seasons by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. He was shown doing That's it right. in yeah. the Smallville Season 1 finale. Again, more Smallville influence. Um, but uh, before all that, he did a rescue in from a tornado in the 1948 Kirk Allen serial where he rescues his father from the tornado. So this is definitely <laughs> <laughs> the opposite wow. of what happens wow. in the 1948 Superman serial. Uh, let's. I'll have you go into your thoughts then on this plot point. This was one I never uh, <laughs> okay. defended. I never. I never liked this scene. I never turned around on it. I never mm. turned to- toward it or whatever. It just, just allowing your father to die mm. like that. It's just not great. And then you get that shot of Cavill with his big ass mouth just wide open fucking just screaming like a maniac like we and then when you have the same thing again when he snaps the neck it's it's you know cavill's good at the intensity but it's almost awkward it's it's Mm -hmm. just he just puts his hands up like no don't show yourself like dude do you really not he could go so fast probably most people can't even see it come on you know what i mean like it's it's 
and then the whole thing about the you know the heart attack in the original it, it's just you know every superman fan knows this but just to reiterate reiterate for people that might not know in the know on this it's just thematically important in the sense that superman can save so many people but he can't save somebody from a heart attack mm-hmm. you know there's you know that affects him that affects his character that if you know it's it, there's drama there and you're we're you know i know this movie's trying to be different and they're trying to do new things it just seems like they could have done something maybe that's not a heart attack but just not this whole tornado thing either right. it's, it, i don't know what it could have been they could have had maybe it's too inside baseball but maybe he has a heart attack from from uh, the tornado <laughs> no no he has yeah from that the, but a heart attack from he goes into a, a you know a general store or supermarket and it starts to get robbed and he has a heart attack just from oh, it being robbed because that's, that's yeah. either Siegel or Schuster's real life father died in that in a in a heart attack, not from being shot apparently, mm-hmm. but I mean his coroner's report is on the internet. If it's real, it could be fake. Right. It's the internet. I get it, but it looks sort of real to me, and fucking I forget who it is Siegel or Schuster one of them the real I just can't believe this is on the internet the real report is online and it shows that it's not from a gunshot he has a heart attack the one of the creators of Superman okay everybody back up for a little bit one of the creators of Superman his father dies in a heart attack during a robbery so uh Maybe they could have done that. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe that's yeah. too much. I, Maybe I do think that it's overstepping some. The power balance. of the heart attack is the idea that this is something that Superman can't really do much against, other than maybe rushing him to the hospital. But at that point, like it's already, it who knows? Real quick yeah, sometimes. Though, yeah, exactly. I mean? As yeah. opposed to the probableness tornado is is the fact that it is something that you see Superman do a lot against uh, in terms of rescuing people like it's it's time for that debut i think you know well, what i yeah. mean like stop hi- the so, hi- you know to I don't me know, the okay so the main plot point uh, if we're going to play devil's advocate is the idea that jonathan kent wanted to protect his son from having to reveal himself to the point where he sacrifices himself to ensure that secret happens my problem with that is twofold one uh superman is going to have to reveal himself in this movie at some point anyway so (laughs) this would have been a good time uh the other one is yeah let's not forget a whole bunch of people in smallville already know the kids he saved in the bus already know that there's something up with this kid with this guy pete ross knows lana knows like they kind of already know this so i'm like you can't really say it's about protecting the secret either when so many people kind of already know you know yeah, yeah, uh, I, know. I don't know I go, how they're going to I go with critics, but I that. personally think Jonathan Kent, uh, like, this would have been very powerful. Because I'll, I'll do it this way in terms of, like, if I'm going to pitch a new version of this. I yeah. didn't really care for Clark being like, you're not my real dad type of thing because that's so cliche. But I would excuse yeah. it if Jonathan Kent is very much about, hey, don't save me, don't save me, and Clark disobeys him and saves him anyway from the tornado and then afterwards jonathan's like why i told you to protect yourself and clark says because you're my dad and then that would go into yeah i mean there you go that's how you would come on that's how that's it he reveals himself and suddenly that's how lois finds out about clark uh being in smallville in this version 
you know, that's how a whole bunch of people, maybe all the town knows, but they keep it secret, which is kind of what they already showed in the movie anyway. You know, like this isn't, yeah. these aren't people who are necessarily going to call up the government as soon as possible. These are people who like know each other by name. <laughs> you know, like they, they would be out yeah. to protect yeah. him, which they already do in the movie. So why don't you just take that a step further? Maybe Kevin Costner was, I don't know, too expensive for them to have a lot of scenes with. I don't know. But like it's it's one where I would have, it would have been nice to still have him as he's a such a great pick. He's such a he's such a good pick for Paul. And it's not you know it's not I mean? like they couldn't afford him for Batman versus Superman either because he's in it too as a ghost. So I'm like, you could have just had him be alive. Yeah. Come on, man! You're Paul Kent. That is so iconic, yeah. dude. That's Americana. Yeah. Come yeah. on. So anyway, we're siding of critics, which means that we're at critics three Snyder one, I believe, on this. So I thought I would support Snyder more than this, but. These particular points, it's it's just hard. It's hard yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. It's hard uh, to. Let's see. We do get a little bit more of the Daily Planet after this flashback because Clark ends up telling Lois about what happened with how his father died, and, and Lois goes back to the Daily Planet and says she's not going to print the story. Uh, we do meet two other characters. One is Steve Lombard, played by Michael Kelly. Uh, Steve Lombard is an actual character from the comics. He's a younger, athletic-looking guy with a mustache, but he is, you know, in the comics. He's more of a bro in the comics uh oh he's in the he's in the animated show sometimes too, yeah right? he kind of like gives everybody a he's hard definitely time. an all-star superman in the office. as well uh so yeah, yeah i think yeah, i know you're yeah, talking about he's in there. yeah 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 uh let's see the other one is a character named jenny who's an intern now this is interesting because a lot of fans at the time thought her full name was jenny olsen and thought that she was either mm-hmm. a gender-bent jimmy olsen or his sister however the car- oh god remember this, now, this I remember reading <laughs> remember about this, this. Yes. It's a I haven't thought about this mess. in years yes. uh, Rebecca yeah, Buller plays yeah, yeah. Jenny but her full name apparently in in the universe is Jenny Jerwich not Jenny Olsen which means she's not related to, Jenny Ol- to Jimmy Olsen at all and we would find out she's definitely not Jimmy Olsen in the next movie where Jimmy Olsen turns out to be a CIA agent who gets his bl- brains blown out so he's not even a very good CIA agent <laughs> in, in this continuity <laughs> <laughs> What is Snyder <laughs> doing, man? Uh, but oh, uh, this wasn't just fans, rampant fan speculation. There, This came because an official movie guide had a picture of Perry White with Jenny, and it said in the caption, Perry White and Jenny Olsen look at the destruction or something like that. So somebody along the way uh, fucked yeah. up or thought like, oh, Jenny, they, they must be that this is Jenny Olsen, when in reality that's not what happened. So... Uh, Jenny Jerwich is an original character for this continuity. Don't think that she's. This Jimmy is the Olsen. only, only Superman movie without any Jim, Jimmy Olsen. Uh, that is true. Yeah, that is true. That is the only one. Yeah. Batman versus Superman technically <laughs> does. Technically. Uh, but it's not a Superman movie only yeah, either yeah. though. But yeah, yeah, he does show up so, for sure. Of course. Uh, let's see. When we get to present day, Clark goes to visit his mom and gets greeted by. Uh, Dusty the dog uh, the dog from the past who Jonathan saved was named Hank but I guess Hank is dead at this point um, but uh, there, <laughs> yeah. this is a tradition in the comics where Clark grew up with dogs on the Smallville farm in the TV show Smallville as well as in the comic uh, I think Superman for all seasons the dog's name was Shelby in uh, Man of Steel by John Byrne it was Rusty so we got a whole bunch of dogs that he grew up with in Smallville not just all crypto, yeah, it's y'all. not just crypto. Uh, <laughs> man, imagine if they told Russell Crowe that crypto was going to be in this movie. 
would have been awesome. I, you know, this goes back to the Grant Morrison thing where he explains how he figured out how to write Superman. He's just a normal dude, but you know, he walk whenever you know he walks his dog around the rings of mm-hmm. Saturn. You know what I mean? But he still walks his mm-hmm. dog. You know, it's cri- crypto, right. obviously, yeah. but it's just this is. Again, of course, of course, Superman has a dog. They're they're a fucking farmhouse in fucking right. Kansas. Like, yeah, it's going to be yeah. part of the mix. Yeah. You know, uh, the Kent farm apparently was built from scratch. Uh, that is not an actual wow. house. Uh, they built that, and it stayed there for a couple of years. They even built the whole entire interior, and it's the same Kent farm that they use in Batman versus Superman. Uh, the room for Clark is never seen in the movie, but they did finally get to use it at the end of Batman versus Superman when Lois is mourning over Clark's death. So that mm. is cool that they okay. went through. They went all out, you know, in terms of creating that because I feel like, you know, not to make this about DC versus Marvel, but it's insane just how much is CG in the Marvel movies, how much of Endgame was green screen. And I get that. Yeah, some sure. of it is probably to avoid spoilers because if you put all those, if especially if they shot the whole Thanos takedown in like a random field somewhere, that would have leaked out. This, I know. think it's well, yeah, but it's also like Grandpappy Nolan on That's DC, true. kind of Godfathering yeah. the whole thing, and he's so he, you know, for Interstellar, instead of making CG wheat fields. <laughs> They grew the fucking re- wheat field. They actually did that in uh, sh- Superman Returns as well. They built they it's they grew incredible. a whole field uh, just for young Clark to fly around in it, even though it has nothing to do with the rest of the story. <laughs> Superman Returns, <laughs> but we'll get there when we get to Superman yeah. Returns. Uh, yeah, let's see. Then uh, before we end this episode, we're going to get a little bit into the lead up to the invasion. So. During the invasion part, we meet General Swanwick, played by Harry Lennox. Uh, it's believed that he's named Swanwick because the swan part might be to uh, a reference to Kurt Swan, famous Superman artist. So that's the speculation. I don't know. That was never confirmed. At least I can't find on that. But if anybody knows more about that, let us know. However, what is known, and isn't really a spoiler because... Snyder and Harry Lennox are now on record saying it, but Swanwick is secretly the Martian Manhunter, which means that this oh, is yeah. actually a yeah. DC crossover on here, uh, yeah. which is funny because, uh, you know, Zod at one point is just like, you are not alone. There are aliens among you. He looks like one of you, but he is not one of you. And just imagine Swanwick's inter- internal reaction just being like, oh, fuck. <laughs> on that. He starts starts yeah. sweating. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's see. I will do a deeper dive in our Patreon in terms of the connections of Martian Manhunter and Superman throughout uh, comic book and adaptation history. But uh, Carl Lumley was the voice of Martian Manhunter in the Justice League cartoon, and it seems like after that he was almost always betrayed uh, as uh, you know by an African American actor in an African American disguise, as opposed to the early comics where he was a white dude. Uh, as John Jones. Oh, yeah. So this carried over when he was in Smallville. He was played by Phil Morris. When he was in Supergirl, he's played by... Um, Jesus, what the guy's name? He's, I, he's David... Oh, God. I feel so embarrassed because I love him in the show. Supergirl, David... Harewood. Sorry. David Harewood is, is Martian Manhunter. He's my favorite part of that show uh, in there. And he's also in disguise as a government official uh, in there. And then we got Harry right. Lennox now as a Martian Manhunter. So that's pretty cool. Um, this TV warning from Zod is very similar to the Superman Earth-1 comic by 
J. Michael Straczynski and art by Shane Davis. Have you read this comic? That's one of that's one of the best covers. Yeah, yes, yeah. I have read it. So uh, I mean, I, I think, and it's Earth One, so it's a little bit different mm-hmm. than usual. It's, it's basically Elseworlds, but um, yeah, that's good. That also that's the one where they kind of redo the scene where he catches the bullet, right? Or no, that's, that's Birthright. Man of Steel. That's Birthright. That's bir- Earth, Birthright. I'm getting Earth One is the one where yeah. it's pretty much like Man of this movie, where it's him up against an invasion, and uh, he's yeah. he's in basically. Wait, hold on. I have it. I've read it. I just have it's it here. It's been a while. I don't remember everything. <laughs> yeah, these these covers are yeah. cool. This one and the other cover is really cool. I'm, I, this is some of my favorite Superman covers. I mean, the other screen. one has him above yeah. a whole bunch of skulls, which is an image that we see later in this movie. Snyder couldn't wait to get to well, that visual. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is a very cool visual. Artist though. Shane Davis is on has been on Twitter basically criticizing Man of Steel and Snyder for basically following his imagery but not giving him a thank you in the credits. Uh, in it, but there is a lot from these comics that make it into Man of Steel, at least, you know, when it comes to this specific yeah. plot point, both the villain Tyrell in Earth One and Zod in this movie uh, spend years trying to, tr- decades really, trying to track down Kal-El after Jor-El managed to launch, uh, you know, Kal-El uh, away from him. Kal-El was able to escape from this guy, and his way of finding right. him on Earth is to make this grand announcement worldwide that's translated to all different languages uh, to ask him to come forward or else everything's going to suffer. So that's that's right out that's, of Earth 1. We're, we're, we're back at the sci-fi yeah. take, the invasion, the uh, day the Earth stood still mm-hmm. kind of uh, influence. Um, yeah, this was a cool scene, uh, you know. I mean, this this is a, a scene where Snyder shines, I yeah. think. Yeah, there's a nice foreboding element yeah. to it that... You know, yeah, Shannon yeah, yeah. definitely nails when it comes to that monologue and that delivery. He does. I've come on a scene yes. of stars. I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's it's, it's, so it's good. good. It's good. Uh, yeah. That's one of those where it's like Terrence Stamp might have been chilling in terms of you know the whole Neil before his odd thing, but Shannon is chilling in a different way, a uh, much different way in here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if anything, Stamp was like very much overplaying it, and Shannon. I mean, he does overplay it when it comes to him being pissed off, but in this specific... He's sort of overdoing it, but it's still cool. In this specific scene, though, he's underplaying it to a good degree where it works really well. See stars. Uh, Let's see. So, Clark, to figure out, and this goes to our final Snyder versus Critics, I think you know where we're going with this, to figure out what to do, Clark does not go to his mom or to Lois, but he goes to a priest. Yeah. Dude, (laughs) okay. Okay, so let me talk about this for a second. I brought this up several times before, but again, if this is your first series, if you if you search for just Man of Steel shit and it's your first time finding us, I'm going to say this for you, uh, dear listeners and watchers, viewers. Um, so at this time, it was revealed that Warner Brothers was giving out um, sermon ideas that two churches around America around this time, sermon ideas are, uh, that center on Superman. And well, Superman being related to Christ or whatever, there was some sort of connection. I'm, I'm assuming. I, actually, if you know, if you can find something out there, uh, dear listener, please uh, let us know if you if you have one of those sermons or whatever that Warner Brothers did send out. We should probably just Google that ourselves. But you know, I'm putting the call out there. Uh, if if you if you do find it, that'd be sweet to actually see. But um, and it's just one of those things where it's like you know. I, these guys at Warner Brothers are not like diehard evangelicals. No. I feel like this is a way to, this is a way to just sell their movie in church. 
you know it's all about the cash mm. right so I just kind of felt like and Snyder doesn't seem overly religious to me either but this is just seems like one of those things that would have been put in there by the producers like hey we need a church scene yeah. you know what I mean we're selling sermons to people get those Bible uh, belts it's in the just seats. yeah but but yeah it, it it's just a, a little bit much and then there's that scene where it's like later on we'll get to it but Ancha Trail Feora there's this little scene about evolution and blah 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 and and then there's like it's a little bit it has almost like a the villains are very pro science <laughs> do you see what I'm talking about uh, man so I you know what yeah. I mean there's a little there's a little bit of that mm. the villains talk about evolution mm. so I know I'm I'm reaching for stuff here <laughs> I'm, I, I really am I get it but I just couldn't help but think right. about that. Like, like, do we need that? I don't know. Anyway, um, uh, I'm going to go with yeah. critics. I'm going to go with them, too, because it just it feels very random. He has no relationship with this priest. Maybe if he did, you know, maybe if he was his father figure growing up after his father died, it would be understandable. But there's no established relationship here uh, on it. Like, it seems like Martha would be a better choice for him to talk to or even Lois uh, at this right. point because he has an actual relationship with them. As opposed to this, yeah, this random yes. dude. What's he doing at this random? Like church? you really like Jonathan Kent couldn't figure out how to raise an alien. You think this priest is going to tell him what to do? Like I'm like this is, this is dumb. Um, also, it, you let it slide kind of because, uh, not to stereotype too much, but you know people in rural areas, it's not, it's not very uncommon for for people in those areas to go true. to church and shit like that. I get it, hundred percent makes sense but still as a movie it probably would have been better like you're saying if they if he, if he went to Lois if he yeah, went to yeah. his mom or uh, and they could have had maybe a religious conver- maybe 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 Ma Kit said something said something religious there or something and you would have had you would have had your cake and eat, eat, eating it too yeah, you know what I'm like saying in, but this whole detour to a church like in Daredevil weird. like he does turn to a priest for help but he does have an established relationship with them in both the Daredevil movie and uh, the TV show on Netflix but that's also because it's well established that Matt Murdock's Catholicism is part of his character and is part of his upbringing. And he's a Catholic. That's yeah, a yeah, devil. and, and that just it think t- about that. Yeah, that and it ties into there. his persona, so it's a huge part of his character. Yeah. Here, it's like it's never really established that there's any religion that's that's tied into Clark's character. Like if if they really wanted to have this priest, then like put him in the earlier scenes in the flashback, give him an established relationship, have him have the priest sort of look out for him and and know his powers and it's just like okay my father's not around anymore you're the closest thing that i have to a dad if this guy's like his alfred you know what do i do and maybe the priest is like it's not up to me right you know it's again right at some point you know you are your own man type of thing if that's what it is or maybe jonathan kent is still fucking alive after he saved him for the tornado and he's the one who tells him this <laughs> any one of these things it's how much are we going to rewrite this you know like <laughs> uh again we should have gotten should have gotten that ben Wong we do pass. like this movie by the way i, I know that script. critics are, critics are winning on this one but we do like this movie we're not haters on here we just we do yeah. agree with a lot of the criticisms though uh for what we've covered so far uh also in terms of heavy-handedness it's well noted that right behind clark when he's talking is not only jesus but jesus with a red rope over his clothes like the cape <laughs> i never i haven't <laughs> thought about the rope part that's that's interesting i know it's a stained glass yeah, but yes yeah, okay yeah, yeah that's interesting so. okay uh, yeah that's it's just uh it's another it's like cultural appropriation almost i know this is uh Again, maybe reaching, but Superman 
you know, invented by two Jewish kids from yeah. Ohio. You know, it's a, the Moses allegory of, you know, the spaceship being, uh, you know, Moses going down the River Nile, all that kind of stuff. And then it, it's kind of appropriated into not Judaism, but goes from Judaism to Christianity. It's like, dude, do your research, <laughs> man. This is just doesn't seem... If he went to a fucking uh, temple, you know, maybe went to the rabbi, that would have been interesting. Yeah, went to went to a rabbi. Come on, I would have been. That would have been interesting. Let's see, Rabbi Siegel, Rabbi Siegel, dude, or something. You know what I mean? I'm actually I'm open to that idea of him having a a a, uh, a rabbi he turns to name Rabbi Siegel. Maybe not in the movies uh, right now because it's too late to establish that, but in like a its own comic yeah. run type of thing. Just to acknowledge that, Shit, you know, why not? Uh, the priest yeah. does come back in Batman versus Superman, but in a different role. He's the one who gives the eulogy over Clark's grave at the end. Oh, it's the it's same, same guy. Actor. I did yeah, not notice that. Yep. Wow, he has a comedic take. You know, he, you know, he, Zod publicly says he's after the guy, or no, there's some comedic part in, in Man of Steel uh, at the end of that church scene. His reaction uh, is comedic or something. Am I totally forgetting I this? I don't remember. I just. Part of it okay. might be just because I'm so distracted that the scene exists <laughs> that I'm like, oh, yeah, let me pay attention to this, maybe. Um, but yeah. uh, the actor also does kind of look like uh, the way that a pastor character is drawn in Superman for All Seasons, where there is a recurring, basically what I was talking about, where there is a recurring character who's a pastor at uh, the church in Smallville, uh, who's a, a thin mm-hmm. man, white man with like reddish hair uh, type. So. It could have been he could have been cast due to that resemblance. Who knows? Uh, or it could just be right. a coincidence. Uh, right. When Clark's there, he has another flashback to growing up where he's bullied. This time, not by Dick Splash Extraordinaire Pete Ross, but <laughs> by DP D S E by two others. The main one who's antagonizing him is named Kenny Braverman, who in the comics did grow up with Clark in Smallville and became the supervillain conduit. So. Uh, conduit is being planted there. I doubt that he's going to be the villain of a Man of Steel sequel anytime soon, but uh, he's planted in there. Right. Uh, apparently, the other kid is supposed to be Whitney Fordham, who I said was mentioned earlier as the Fordham boy, uh, who was basically Lana's boyfriend and kind of Clark's antagonist in the first season of Smallville. So if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, Clark here, this is where Clark's reading Plato. Uh, it's where oh, yeah. he's got the book. Yeah, yeah. Snyder said he wanted to show that Clark had aspirations beyond Smallville. On that, so okay, another plot point here about yeah. the book. I think I, I I haven't read the fucking book, but what I've read about the book about Plato's mm-hmm. Republic is that it, he's talking about like stratified societies or something. I think there's some. It's it goes back to there's some connection with like Krypton stratified society or. Hmm. You know what I mean? I don't know what it's a very loose connection, but uh, you know, ultimately they're trying to show that Clark's a smart kid, I guess. But you know, there's other connections maybe you could draw. Yeah, I did think it was interesting. Uh, you would think that, like in the Is Superman Cool episode, you brought up that he's representative of of different philosophies. You know, Batman in some ways is Nietzsche. Oh yeah. Uh, you yeah, know. That, uh, and the Superman is uh, is Kant. Mm. Uh, maybe he should have yeah, been reading back, Kant. Who I, knows? I, that would have been maybe a little bit better, but um, but yeah, it's uh, go back and listen to that episode. Uh, what's that? Is Superman, Superman cool? cool? Yeah, yeah. Is Superman cool? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That we go. Yeah, more if you guys are on YouTube, you guys can find our uh, playlists where we have all of our Superman-related episodes in one playlist. So that should be one of the episodes there for you guys. 
but it's also in Spotify and everywhere that else too. too. too yeah, uh, if you want to yeah. look that up separately. Uh, let's see. And then yeah. last thing on this before we wrap is that in the background, uh, you know, after Pete Ross sort of helps him out uh, or around that time, you get to see that there's a sign for Sullivan's in the background. This seems like it's a reference to Smallville yet again, where uh, the character Chloe Sullivan uh, was basically a series regular played by Allison Mack, who is now um, in deep shit for <laughs> Nexium and uh, we're trying to recruit Smallville actors into a sex cult. Uh, she Dude, just uh, avoid cults. If, I, if you have any, if you take any advice from me yeah. today, <laughs> avoid avoid oh, cults. Man. How many people have we saved just by telling them this? <laughs> <laughs> so many, Ben. Uh, apparently, she she wasn't successful in recruiting Kristen. Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know the full story about her and Kristen Crook. I know Kristen Crook brushed with it but I don't think she was as a huge part of it but she did apparently recruit Caleb Blue who played Zod in Smallville because uh, he's in a wow. documentary about what he went through when he was part of that so it's a Just big shame wild yeah. man but you looked into Nexium and shit uh not on a personal level, but more of just like finding out what the hell happened. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's it's fucked up. It's yeah. a, the vowels on HBO. You, everybody knows. Yeah, yeah it's it's yeah. it's fucked yeah. up. So let's see. Our score, wrapping up part two, is we swear we like this movie. We like Zack Snyder. Uh, Snyder one, critics four. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, positive about okay. this movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap sure, on a positive. Sure. Color color palette is bleached, but. I, because there's a lot of scenes in in um, cold areas, it, it works a lot actually uh, with the, with bleached out colors mm-hmm. a little bit in that area. I kind of like those cool colors, especially in those scenes. So um, I would do like a, a colorful suit, but I give him a pass. Again, the fighting, probably the best Superman fighting we've ever seen. Right. Really, we haven't gotten there um, yet. But we yeah. haven't gotten there. We haven't yeah. gotten there yet. But just to be positive, um, and um, what else? I mean. All the acting is top notch, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, everybody's really good. I'm a big Cavill fan. Have Rakeoff, who used to come on the podcast as our Game of Thrones correspondent way back mm-hmm. in the day. Uh, he always says Cavill's too stiff, but I, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I, I I like Cavill. I think he's cool. I think he's a good pick. Um, and uh, Snyder's probably uh, really uh, behind those decisions. And uh, and yeah, so just trying to be positive. Any positives from you? Uh, I was about to say I can see where Rakoff is coming from, but I don't think it's fully Cavill's fault. Uh, but in terms of positives, yeah. that definitely wasn't a positive yeah. one. Um, I yeah. really appreciate uh, that this is the live-action cinematic debut of a lot of more obscure characters in the Superman-verse. You know? mm-hmm. We got Feora. Mm-hmm. Sure, we had Ursa before, but now it's Feora. We got Pete Ross. We got Kenny Braverman. We got... Feyora's real badass in this. She's my favorite. Yeah, yeah. She's next in line after Zod, clearly, uh, on that. So She should should have had more lines Mm -hmm. because she was great. I think it's really interesting how they reimagined Pete Ross here. I didn't really get too much into it earlier, but Pete Ross is supposed to be Clark's best friend and even knows his secret in the comics. Uh, Here... Sure, after the whole dick splash thing and he saves him, you get he gets a bit of a character arc where he helps mm-hmm. Clark up yeah. and sort yeah. of protects his secret to a certain extent. I wish there was more to him in modern day than just being an IHOP manager, but I'll take what I can get in terms of... <laughs> Product placement, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. There's a fight with Fiora in the middle of an IHOP, and I'm like, was this really the best location for this? <laughs> you gotta get a movie made, goddamn. They had to pay... They had to pay for that uh, 
fucking truck to be destroyed in real life. Feyre is just like, you humans and your pancakes. This is why we're superior. <laughs> we don't eat this processed carb- garbage. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, anyway, back to positives. I, I think that's a really interesting way to reimagine Pete Ross, as well as redo him in a way that honors his character while still honoring what Snyder wanted, which was to make Clark isolated growing up like he doesn't have a best friend mm-hmm. growing up in this continuity Lorna might be the closest but you, they like interact like once it doesn't seem like they're super close not yet. much going yeah. on so there, yeah. uh, to have him grow up like that as as a loner or whatever it, it becomes more significant I guess when he does encounter people as he's about to in this movie uh, who are from his home world so uh, that's right. pretty that's pretty well done. But we will get into it in part three when Clark decides to reveal himself and wear the Superman suit in public. So stay tuned for that. And that is a superhero stuff you should know. Okay. We have a few uh, <laughs> fan comments uh, for us to go over here. So one of those was on our Catwoman movie that never was. Uh, thank you to... Uh, Forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it, but uh, to win, uh, he said, quote, oddball mm-hmm. idea for a script. This was on the Catwoman script by Daniel Waters. Uh, he said, quote, yeah. I always remember attempts to read this, and I abruptly would quit reading because how, how I didn't like the script a whole lot. It wasn't really for me, but I would have loved a Catwoman movie with Michelle in it. Uh, had if Catherine Bigelow wrote and directed it, that would have been interesting. Uh, wow. That's wow. What yeah, a good pick. Yeah. So uh, good. But if I ever had a chance to rewrite yeah. the script, I just trash the script and conceive a new story, which I always thought it should be the long kiss goodnight meets cat people from 1982 meets catch me if you can meets entrapment. So that's a lot of different, uh, lot, lot going, lot on diff- there. going on, but I think I know where he's going with long kiss goodnight, of course, being an action heroine thing with Gina Davis cat people. Right. Uh, I'm not super familiar with it, but I, I know that there's a, a thriller element uh, involved or I'm supernatural element involved. Uh, catch me if you can, con men uh, in here. And some of the thing of entrapment. True. Entrapment, of course, True. is famous with Catherine Zeta-Jones sexually going through the lasers, which is... I'm surprised we haven't gotten a Catwoman scene like that on film um, ever. True, so, true. Uh, yeah. So basically, my take on Catwoman would have been odd, like Waters' version, but it could be better. So, awesome. Thanks for uh, sharing that with us. I, I agree, Catherine Bigelow doing a Catwoman movie with Michelle Pfeiffer in the, you know, 90s would have been awesome on it. Dude, okay, one of the best things, so she she directed Point yep. Break, right? One of the best things I ever heard was, the most surprising thing about Point Break is just how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it just it's a movie that should not be right. good. And, like, that's a testament to Bigelow's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. ability. Uh, you know, it's just so, it's it's yeah. really great, so... Yeah. Uh, let's see. Next is uh, he's back. Spark again in three eighteen. Oh, uh, he's back. We, what up, Sparky? He was basically replying to us, talking about uh, asking us about the Gotham deep dive, and we responded to that. His response to our response is, uh, "quote Thanks. I will check it out. I hope we get some good convo on Echo. Uh, Echo was their version of Harley Quinn in Gotham." Uh, he says, "Because she was my best version of Harley Quinn, and that's something I want to see in Matt Reeves's Batman universe—a dark red and black original Harley Quinn." So that could be cool, sort of more twisted Harley Quinn that's more dangerous than the, you know, Margot Robbie comedic anti-heroine version that we have in Birds of Prey. So that could be cool to see if they ever do a new Harley Quinn 
uh, on that. There was like a DC. Black oh yeah, yeah, the Harleen. The yeah. One. Harleen, isn't that? I heard that was really that good. Could I haven't cool. seen that, but that could be a good source for. Definitely that need to read that. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it was good. I, I I talked to before COVID. I was in the comic shop and he was like, "Yeah, it's flying <laughs> off the shelves." All right, that, we'll that check one, it out. So. Maybe it'll hit uh, yeah. DC Universe Infinite if it hasn't already. I'll have to take a look. It yeah. could be. Uh, yeah. Let's see. And then last one is from Tab Martin on our Is Superman Cool episode. I thought it'd be appropriate to save his comment for our Man of Steel deep dive. Uh, his response was for the part, I guess, where I talk about how it would be interesting to have Superman as an, uh, played by an Asian man. And Tab Martin says, uh-huh. quote, Asian Superman, you mean Goku, ha ha. So I thought I would <laughs> open it up to you because I'm not super familiar with uh, Dragon Ball in terms of the Goku Superman similarities okay. outside of power set, I should say, because I'm just like, you know, okay. just, there's more to a character than just the powers. Okay. Uh, well, okay. Surprisingly, there's a l- not a lot, but there's a little bit going okay. on there. Um, he's from, well, yeah, he's from another planet, Vegeta. <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about Dragon Ball right now. <laughs> But anyway, so Vegeta, Vegeta calls him Kakarot, and that's like his Kal-El name. Uh, Vegeta's like a Zod, <laughs> I guess, sort of. Um, and, uh, you know, they have beef, of course, and he's super-powered. He doesn't get his powers from the sun. It's from training a bunch, okay. I guess. I forget. It's the lo- it's not super tight logic, I think, because it's Dragon right. Ball, but it's, it's sort of there. And... Um, so the Kakarot Kal-El thing is similar. The power set's similar. Uh, but also, I think the main thing here is there's a little bit of, like, fan fiction rivalry going on there. Like, I, I look again, I don't know for sure, but it seems like m- maybe in, in, in more Asian community, people are, you know, you know going for right. Goku more mm-hmm. than Superman. Um, I could be wrong about that. I don't know. But, that you know... There's a lot of fan fiction of them fighting. Gotcha. A lot. This is just kind of this is kind of a thing online because they're there's similar power set. People want to see it, uh, and you know, I think we first saw Dragon Ball fights in the Matrix two and three, maybe mainly three. Uh, yeah, the big one on Agent Smith. Yeah. So at the end with like fly fighting, mm-hmm. there, there's actually not a lot of that. I feel like, even though we've had a lot of Superman shit. Yeah. But it's true. With so there being a little bit, what's, what kind of feels like a little bit of a Dragon Ball influence on the fighting in Man of Steel. Um, I don't know if the Snyder's ever said anything about that publicly, but, um, you know, they're just inadvertently related, I think. I mean, kind of. I mean, the Kakarot Kal-El thing is, you know, there's something mm-hmm. there, I think. There is some sort of influence there from, from, from that. He does draw a lot of influence, though, um, Akira Toriyama, um, but uh, but yeah, nice. I don't know. There might be more than that. There may be more than the Kakarot and Kalil thing, but I can't remember at the, my at, at this time. But uh, but yeah, it's sort of there. Well, Tab, so, let yeah. us know if there are other similarities that yeah. uh, Andrew didn't cover. But that's that's yeah. pretty interesting. I think I've always seen the whole like Goku versus Superman type of thing, and I was just like, okay, I just figured that's more like people pitting two superpowered characters against each other classic type of thing. That's really what it boils yeah. down to. That's yeah. what it is. But there are some other things going on mm-hmm. there, maybe. And, you know, Cal- uh, Goku is, you know, kind of like, he's a likable dummy. <laughs> okay, so his personality also is, like, way different than 
Superman. I mean, they're both likable, mm. I guess, but but yeah, Clark is smart and shit. But go, you know, Goku is just like a lovable, not so smart <laughs> guy. <Okay. laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's it's if you watch it, you'll see. When I first started watching it, I thought it was just cool martial arts shit, but really, Dragon Ball is a mm. comedy. It boils down to it's a comedy with lots of martial arts. That's it. Mm. You know, pretty cool. So, so nice. there you go. All right. Uh, thanks, Tab. I think that's it for the fan comments. Over to you, Andrew. Okay. Um, guess what? I'm adding Sparkageddon to Woo. the list. So thank you, Sparkageddon. SDCT Productions. Robert Schumann. <coughs> Good old Rob. Kukin Noms. Matt Herring. Elijah B. Shamrock Balls. Aaron Willett. Ian H. Dan D. Leomo. Super Superman. And Douglas P. Those are our Patreon supporters and other supporters. <laughs> Um, so, uh, please check us out uh, on patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And we got the $1 tier on there. That's called the Shasta Army. Shasta is a longtime supporter of ours. That's where that name comes from, if you must know. <laughs> um, but uh, the $5 tier uh, is where you get the extra show, our Patreon show. We've already talked about it in this series a little bit. Um, generally, Ben does. Uh, even deeper dive. You thought this shit was deep? <laughs> we get even deeper. We went into fucking Rowism, by the way, speaking yeah. of Superman. Um, there, you know, the religion on Krypton. That's like they mention it sometimes. They say praise Rao and shit sometimes in the animated mm. show, but that's not where it ends, guys. It goes even further. So there's episodes on that and other shit um, that's like even deeper. So it's every Friday, five bucks a month. Um, and you can cancel anytime. So nice. there you go. Uh, Superhouse merch, uh, the Ben Man, like a Batman type of thing, with Ben uh, illustration and my indeed wizard character, drawn by Wolfie. Mm -hmm. uh, there's merch with uh, those those illustrations on it. T-shirts, mugs, whatever, on SuperhousePod.RedBubble.com. Okay. And then uh, Redbubble's like Tee Public, if you know Tee Public. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, leave us a review on iTunes, uh, which would be great. And then also we'd love new phone bumpers, if you can. The, a bumper is like a little audio clip. Record this little audio mm -hmm. clip uh, of, like, love what you guys are doing or whatever. It could be weird. You know, it, doesn't, it could be totally nonsensical. It'd be funny. I'll, you, you think I won't put nonsense <laughs> on this show? think again <laughs> um, but yeah uh, record that on your phone um, if you don't know your phone more than likely already has a voice recorder app uh, most people don't know it's there but it is there uh, and uh, send that uh, to superhousepodcast at gmail.com I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter I'm also on YouTube on which I <laughs> um, do a lot of yeah, you know, we talk about Goku and shit just just now, but uh, like Japanese centric content that I do, um, and uh, like Japanese language, Japanese culture. I lived there for three years. I still talk about it, <laughs> but um, uh, stuff like that, cultural differences. Uh, I did one on my most popular thing I've done online ever is this documentary on Shinto and Buddhism which are the two main religions of Japan. Um, so uh, 
that's on there and, and other things like that. Uh, so, yeah, that's uh, youtube.com slash user slash thunderwolflives. Thunderwolflives.com is another one. And check check out Superhero Stuff You Should Know on YouTube as well at youtube.com slash user slash superhero stuff pod. Or just search for it. You'll find it. That's it. Sorry it took forever. <laughs> ben. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at SuperhousePod. Uh, we're also on Instagram at Superhero Stuff Pod. You can also follow my Instagram at Ben Juan Ryder, as well as the Instagram of my cat, Alfie. <coughs> my cat, Alfred. <laughs> my, my son, son. Alfred Pennyworth. Uh, so you can follow him at Alfie Pennyworth Cat. He is a ginger cat with a bow tie. Uh, he has a soul, okay? Yes, he has, a, he has a soul of an old British man. That's why. He's, he's named that. He's got the white beard co- coloring that makes it look like he's got the facial hair. So, Ironically, though, you're his brother. Yeah, that's what it turned out to be. I'm like, maybe I should have named him Bruce and I would be Alfred. <laughs> Especially because he's also very good at hiding. So I'm like, oh, oh yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I see what's up. Once he gets more comfortable at your place, though, he'll just be like hanging out. I mean, out he, all the he time. is, but he's also very good at hiding, even when he's not. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. He was just top like of the League of Shadows. <laughs> uh, and then you can check out my web, my Ross. writing website uh, benwanwriter.com if you want to if you kind of liked any of the things that I was pitching here as alternatives to it that's not to say that uh, you know I'm not trying to say that I'm better than Snyder or anything like that it's just my proposals for if I had to fix uh, things in that situation if someone asked me hey what do you think would have been better uh, that's what I would say. Everybody's got their own headcanon, yep. right? Everybody, a lot of fans have, especially at this point yep. in the game with so many mm-hmm. movies out. You know, it, it's just that yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. So, you know, hopefully one day I will get to do my own Man of Steel or cut of a Justice League movie. But uh, until that time, I'll just uh, continue to do this for you guys and uh, stay tuned for different things on that website and maybe even a future YouTube channel for me on there. So. Thank you very much for tuning in. And part three will be us, I think, potentially wrapping up our discussion on Man of Steel as we talk about the big fights and the destruction of arguably both Smallville and Metropolis <laughs> when it comes to this movie. So stay tuned for that. Right. Stay tuned, yep. baby. Ben signing off. Signing off. Signing off.